I don't know about you, but now I'm a little hungry. No, thank you, Joyce. Thank you for the reminder of how we can be united in Christ. And what a great reminder it is for our vision as God gathers us together. And as God gathers us together in worship, he then transforms us. And then as we are transformed, we go with the good news of Jesus Christ. So thank you, Joyce, for, for sharing this morning. Uh, our text this morning is from Ephesians chapter, three, or chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Can we stand together as we hear from God's word? We read in Jesus' name, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to be the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for gathering us together to hear from your word. And Father, we thank you that your word transforms us. It makes us anew. So Father, we pray that you would speak into our hearts this morning as we look closer into your word. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have for us this morning. We pray these things in the wonderful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I have a question for you as we get into our text this morning. What does it mean to be chosen? Well, a couple weeks ago, Abby, my eldest daughter, was selected or chosen for Impressions. Now, Impressions is the, is the high school jazz choir. And then Hannah last year was chosen for her dance team. One had a higher number of people trying out than the other, but only a certain number of participants made either one of these groups. You should have seen the girls before they were aware that they 
made their respective groups. Abby was checking her computer for the choir's posting every so often. Abby, what are you doing? Hey, I, I got to check again. It was kind of funny. Um, but she was just waiting to see whether she made it or not. She wanted to know if she was good enough, or at least better than those who, may, who were going to try to make the choir. Isn't it the same thing that happens when we apply for a new job, or we try to make one of those football teams that was on the screen before? These opportunities are based on performance. They are based on skill. You have to be chosen for the position because of your ability or just the fact that someone saw something in you that would give you success in whatever you were trying out for. And then what happens? Well, we sit on pins and needles just waiting anxiously for the response of a yes or a no. Could you imagine if being chosen by God was a matter of tryout and then waiting to see if you made it? If he did, no one would ever make it. Everyone would fail the tryout. But praise be to God that he doesn't work that way. We see in our text that God chose us before the foundation of the world. Before the world created, God chose you and me. He chose us before we even knew that we existed. He chose us that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us. He chose us for adoption into his family. And he did these things because we could not qualify to be part of the family ourselves. And he did these things because we could not make the final cut to join the family. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't achieve anything. We couldn't be good enough to be holy and blameless on our own merits. For we all trespassed against God. But God made it possible through Jesus Christ. And because you were chosen, you are blessed. This morning, as we look in, into our text, we find three in him, or in Jesus' statements, that tell us how we have been blessed. And so the first in him uh, statement is that in him we have redemption through his blood. That we have the forgiveness of our trespasses. Some time ago there were two neighbors who shared a yard. Sometimes one neighbor would be on the other neighbor's property and nothing would be said to him about where he was. It's like they shared their properties. But one day Fred started a family and he decided to put up a fence on his property. And yes, that would also include 
the uh, fence between his yard and George's yard. And so he spent time and money to put the fence up. But you could imagine how George felt when the fence went up. But then George decided to work on his own house and yard and needed a plot plan to show where the plot property lines were. George then realized that without knowing it, his neighbor Fred put his fence on his property by a couple of centimeters. George was not happy. George went over to Fred's house to discuss this matter, and you could imagine what George wanted Fred to do. He told Fred that he needed to rebuild the fence on his property. After many legal challenges, Fred was required to move his fence on his own property. Fred paid the consequences of his wrongdoing as he moved the fence a little bit more than an inch. Could you imagine the costs that Fred incurred just by moving it less than an inch? Or maybe more than an inch? Well, maybe you're not bold enough to put a, a, a fence in your neighbor's yard. But maybe you would be bold enough to set up your own lawn chair on your neighbor's deck. And then, every morning, you would go over with your coffee in one hand, and in your other hand, your iPad, your Kindle, or your morning paper. And then you would just sit there and read it. No, of course you probably wouldn't be doing that either. We would be invading his space and his privacy. We would be trespassing. We would be crossing the line from our property into theirs. How could we ever do that, we might ask. And yet, when it comes to our relationship with God, we have crossed the line. And somehow trespassing on God's property isn't that bad. But it is. And because we have trespassed and maybe even built a fence on God's property, or maybe we used his property for our own benefit, or used it for something it shouldn't have been used for, there are consequences for doing so. There is a payment that needs to be paid. And that payment for our trespasses is death. And we have all crossed that line with God at some point in our lives. We might have done it knowingly or unknowingly. But we have all crossed that line. And we all deserve to be separated from God forever. But instead of God directing his payment to us, he charged it to his son Jesus. And unlike Fred, our payment was paid for by Jesus. And we did not suffer the consequences of our trespass. Jesus paid our trespass. 
or he paid for our trespass. He paid for our transgressions and our sins. And he did this by going to the cross and suffering and dying so that we might live. And he did this so that we would not have to pay with our lives being separated from him forever. In that payment being paid, we were found righteous by God. We were found to be holy and blameless before God. And this was all because Jesus paid it all. It would be as if we had never done anything wrong. Some might say that it is because of these verses that we have just read that we understand the acronym of grace, which is God's riches at Christ's expense. For in Christ's expense, we receive God's blessing of forgiveness and redemption. The second in him statement is in him we have obtained an inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel of his will. And isn't it great that God works according to his counsel and not ours? As that we know what is best, we know how we're able to get to heaven. But God works all things, not some things, not the bigger things or the smaller things in life, but he works all things according to his counsel. God works in all things according to his will, that we might be the heirs of the promise, the promise of things to come. We read in the book of Genesis about Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob and the heir uh, the promise of an heir that was given to them. And that promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations. That they would have the descendants that were as numerous as the stars in the sky. But the promise is not about blood as much as it is about those who believe. And the heirs of the promise would receive the benefit of heaven. So why is it that people miss out? Well, Jesus tells a story about the prodigal son. The prodigal son went out and and took his part of the inheritance that his father gave to him, and he squandered it. He spent it on all the things that he ever wanted. But then he came back home and his his dad was excited to see him. He put a nice robe around him, put a ring on his finger. But then there was the older son. And what did the older son say? Hey, dad, I've been with you this whole time. I have not squandered any of your possessions. Anything that you have given to me. Why is it that we're celebrating this son of yours who squandered everything? 
But what does the, what does the father say next? Everything that I have had that that you that I have is yours. They are yours. If you wanted a fattened calf to celebrate with your friends, you could have taken it. It would have been okay. It's yours. But the older brother was so concerned about himself and what he had, what he didn't have, that he took his eyes off the ball, took his eyes off his relationship with his father. And he lost it all. He didn't realize what he had. And yet, as heirs, we will one day be living in God's house forever. Not as intruders, but as citizens. Again, not because of what we have done or accomplished for ourselves, but because of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished for us. So in him, we are heirs. We are given an inheritance. The last in him, in him statement is in him, we are given the Holy Spirit. Verses 13 and 14 says, When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, he revealed the mystery of his will to us through his word which we would consider the primary means of grace. God speaks to us through his word. God brings to us life through his word. For faith comes by hearing the word of God. As he speaks to us, we respond to it by trusting in who he is and what he accomplished for us by dying on a cross. God speaks and changes hearts. And when we come into a relationship with God, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now there's a significant reason why the word seal is, is written here. Do you remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den? The king of the Medes, King Darius, made a declaration that all of his subjects could not worship any god but himself. Yet Daniel refused to do so, and the king found out that Daniel was worshiping the one true God. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was laid, brought and laid on the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet. And, this, and with the signet of the Lord's. And that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Nobody could come to the mouth of the den and change Daniel's situation. And it's the same way with us. 
Nobody can change our relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit is like a down payment for a house. A payment to guarantee ownership. And so if you believe, you have the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes it's hard to think about how blessed we are. The world tells us that we live in a dog-eat-dog world. And that we need to fight for everything that we want. And that you are not anything unless you have, it all, have all that the world has to offer. And then you compare yourselves to the person who let, lives next door, who has six houses, 14 cars, and a boat. We might say that the person next door has been truly blessed. But that's where it ends for them. But what God has given to us reaches deeper, reaches to the ends of the earth. What do I mean by that? The blessing of knowing that what we are given here is temporary, but the blessings that we have heard about this morning lasts into eternity. If you believe in Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for you by coming and dying on a cross, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For these blessings are all about the cross and the love that God showed to us on the cross. It's in those things we might be considered blessed. Praise be to God and shout, who has showered us with his grace. Be blessed, for in Christ Jesus we are blessed. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for who you are and the meaning that you bring to our lives. Father, we thank you that we do not have to depend on our own goodness, that we don't have to depend on anything that we could do to earn our salvation. But it is through grace